You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is another live edition recorded at the Gilded Balloon in Edinburgh 2012. Now, clear your mind, take a deep breath, and let's spend an hour inside the head of Terry Alderton. Terry, thanks for coming on. Uh, I've got to pull this bit up. Thank, yeah. I've taken it out. It'd be easy. Hello, everybody. Um, I should say you? as well, I've already, having said to you, uh, having prepped you and said, hey man, we don't need to be funny at all, I realise my compare instincts have gone, please welcome a very funny man to, exactly. as, as if you now have to going, go oh, on. I've got to perform. He's got to start going. Arr, you, arr, arr. Yeah. <laughs> so you absolutely don't have to start performing today. We're going to try and uh, find out, not, not so much what makes you tick, although that might come into it, and we know you tick often, um, <laughs> but, uh, but also the, the root of it all. I mean, you for those of you that don't know Terry uh, you hold I believe the, the record for the most consecutive encores at the comedy store <clears throat> I think that was some PR thing that was done yeah <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, that, but I mean, I, you are. I, I don't, I don't, well, it's, it's, you know, I don't know that's true, but I, I have had a few. Um, I think what, the, what I mean the, to say is, for people who haven't seen you, you're not just a very good comedian, you're unfollowably good. Like when famous people come down to the comedy store, they don't want to go on after you. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Oh, you come I don't, on! I don't know. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. I'm, I'm not a bad interview, by the way. You think I'm just a little bit embarrassed? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, uh, I do have a tendency to gush over people that I'm so excited have come on the show. So, apologies. yeah, no, it's very, it's very, yeah, no, it's very kind. No, I, yes, I. Well, I think also because I create, a, a, it's not just the, the, the level of performance. I think that, you know the strength of what I do. I think it's more the the bizarreness of, as well these days. So, yes. Um, so, can you just kind of uh, just to place you in context for anyone yeah. watching now or listening at home? at some point who no one is listening at home right now but I will be you've all just clammed up really are they um, we'll be podcasting this later in the year um, so just for people who haven't seen you can you describe what it is that you do well this is the interesting thing I, I, I find it quite hard to describe what I do and I it's probably a detriment to me and also obviously an advantage because of course I can't be pigeonholed uh, yeah so um, obviously when people are trying to do stuff they don't know what to do with me so I'm in that kind of catch 22 area but essentially what I do is um, I create kind of a drama triangle on stage so I have myself performing to you people now and then I have two inner voices in my head that I talk to about what's going on in my mind and what I think what's going on at that point so uh, it, they, they create trouble for me basically and from that point you know I then try and rescue it out the front so that's kind of sure and, and why is he talking about this now I don't know they're not going to interview us. They're never going to understand what he's on about. <laughs> so I don't know if you re- quite understand what I'm on about. <laughs> so, uh, and as well as, as well as the voices, there are sort of a, a, a kind of a running theme under all of the stuff that you do. But um, uh, you also, it's not just kind of uh, stand-up. It's not, there are, there are observational stand-up elements of what you do. But also there's yeah. dances and kind of <laughs> like ludicrous boy musical bit, yeah. interludes. And you try and lick your own elbow to music. And, yeah. Which is fantastic, incidentally. Um, I think. I think. I think. Um, I think uh, uh, what was the question? I, um, I think my observational thing isn't isn't you know I've got a draw with things in it. You might have the same draw. It's not really that kind of observational material. But I think what I, what I try to do there is some sort of method, and, and that um, that uh, I kind of relay my mind, and then sometimes I think people kind of in some bizarre way kind of realise the same thing and it's not me going oh you've ever noticed I just do stuff that I'm hoping the audience are going I understand what's going on here but I don't know why yeah you know and it's just a, a feeling of something going I kind of get this that, that's kind of what I think but I can't generalise about everybody because I don't know that everybody ticks the same but I generally know that most people want to eat and have to use the lavatory and go to work and have the, pretty much the same angst and you know sure. gripes and happiness and you know whatever Christmas and oh god we've got bills to pay so I kind of know that certain points of, of the human being we kind of work 
the same to sure. a degree, but I, I may take it a little bit further and maybe not as far. So you know. Sure. So in your so to just describe what a what a Terry Alderson hour is like. I saw your hour. <laughs> See the other my week. name. It's horrible. When no. You say my name. Oh, sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> no, I know, but it's weird because I'm, I'm in reality now. What you don't understand is when I, when I go on stage. Sure. It's like I perform like this, if you like. So I, I, I immerse myself in a world. So now when I, I've got no mask on, so it's yeah. <laughs> this, this is me. Justify so yourself. So this is where when people <laughs> do go, I hate that bloke. You suddenly go, oh god, now I'm a bit bothered because that really is me. Well, let you me know. let me try to describe it then, and you can <laughs> you can agree with or disagree right. with the thing. Well, thing. I, I, let's see if the, 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 if it's what I want to be portraying. It, it'd be interesting. Oh Christ! Now the pressure's on. Um, no, it's not. It's, it pressures. It, no, there's no pressure. We're not trying to save any lives. <laughs> That's a very good point. That's just comedy, um, isn't it? So. Uh, um, in the show last time, there was a section in the show that I saw last week. Your your new show, which you're kind of coming, growing show. Yes, yes. Okay, um, so you're. I mean, yeah. Where do you even start? It's like a bomb's gone off in someone's well, mind. Well, someone described That's it last thing. night. Which, if I can be as bold, someone said to me last night, watching you. But no, some someone asked them what what I was like. They'd not see me. He said it's like being drunk watching a French film or or, <laughs> or, a, or a foreign film. It was like you know just oh, no sorry. I apologise. He said it was like being drunk watching a foreign TV show. You know, sometimes, and I, yes. I kind of imagine when you suddenly flick on at night and there's some mad Italian show when you're in a hotel in Italy and you're going, "What is this weird game show?" I think probably that. Yeah, and elements of it, you go, "Oh, this must be what's yeah, happening yeah. And now." And I think that and other it, times you're completely lost. Exactly, and I think that's what it is. And, and you know, you've got to be. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm lost up there. So um, anyway, I, I, I sure. Sorry. But also, also, it has this quality of I think of you as someone who who plays the audience, like uh, in the way that someone who was an observational comedian could arguably stand there and say their lines when there was no one there. They, you could read out the jokes, they could practice. Mm. But you are the embodiment of someone who is actually completely engaged in, in what you're doing because you feed off the audience and you create, like Ken Dodd creates, that kind of rolling laugh. It's, you know, and he's famous for doing these great three-hour well, shows where you find out what things are funny and yeah. then you just get on it. You're like, um, you're more like a kind of a surfer almost. You're instigating something exactly. happening and, and that's what, it. That's what the drama triangle is, so to create, but what I do, they bring it out, you know, so when I, when I talk to the audience or I use the audience, it's not really a case of um, just getting a cheap laugh. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I like to get the audience a little bit sort of like, you know, firstly, don't know what's going on, you know, sure. what we're going to do next. This is something my mum always used to bang into me. My mum, she used to just say to me, you know, you've got to keep people just sitting there going, what's going to come next? So it was kind of inspired by my mother, that. But it's also, you know, the fact that grabbing someone around the head is also a delight to the rest of the buildings because it's not them, but it also the whole angst of where's this going to go because there's this big, baldy lunatic in his ear. You know, uh, telling him he's got a rainbow inside his mind, you know, which was la last year's show. But, <laughs> you know, and uh, but even though I know that there, there are certain points that I know I'm going to call that back. So I have a strength to that point that I've put a rainbow inside somebody's mind that I know I've got an opportunity of a window to ad lib as much as I want. Yes. Because I know I've got the strength of the callback of the rainbow. So that's kind of how I, how sure. I set it up. Sure. So there's, there's this degree of, of, of knowing what I do, but within that, I, I don't know what I do. That's... That makes, I didn't even know I knew that, actually. I, <laughs> I have to be honest. That's one of the first structural things I remember from the first time I maybe saw you, which will be something like six or seven years ago, uh, was the Superman T-shirt under your shirt. Exactly. It was always a chance to pull it back. And, so I, well, it, cause I, yeah, go on, describe what, it. What, what it was as I, I had a, I did a fathers for justice thing, and if, if you know what I do, I don't, I don't hopefully don't really tell you. you you'll know the nights that I do because um, I'll realise there's quite a popular a majority of the audience also well, not a majority, but there's a, there's a number of people that really don't know what I do, so I have to just cheat it slightly. But those oh, you, know, say, you mean on any individual night, there'll be yeah. Sometimes who know what I know that. So, yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I've been saying you know, but watching me, you know, if you've come to watch my show, it's like joining it in season three you might be a bit lost you know what I mean <laughs> uh, lost was not the pun intended but um, but the Superman t-shirt idea what it was it was Fathers for Justice which I never told anyone it was just keep bringing me back my kids so it was this but what it was that it would grow and grow so you know the first one would be give me back my kids you know um well, it would, I mean, it would initially start off like then you'd have the Superman music. Yeah. You'd start on button your shirt the to reveal the thing. Yeah, so. And then the music would cut off That's and you'd right. shout, give me back my kids. My kids, yeah. With, yeah, I just, just to Sorry, yeah, I'm not very good at explaining, which is <laughs> probably why it's worked. Not, is it, eh? Um, so I, um, then, then from then on, there is a running 
uh, theme, and the theme, of course, is every time I pull it open, I'll say something like, you know, Boxing Day's not like Christmas Day, is it? You know, <laughs> but the reason for that, it, 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 they, were, they, were, they were safety nets. So it was, it was a lovely thing to have. I really wish I could get it back because you, you, you'd know you'd be taking the audience, you know, you guys are on, on a journey. And at any point, I'd feel a dip. Oh, I'd need to pull your focus back. I just could whip it open. And I, I tell you these, these things because it's, it's no great shakes, but... It, the theory it is based upon all comedy theory, and um, I decided to look at the science of things. Where I used to be a very mainstream comic, you know, I was a very crowd pleasing comic. The days of uh, you know of the comedy store and 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 you know <laughs> standing ovations and all this, which I don't get as much now. But I find that I'm doing something more interesting, so I'd rather forget the standing ovations, right? But before it was all happy, big, and you know. Um, uh, all crowd pleasing and um, I think when I was structuring gags and, and things and I was just going that will make people laugh you know that will make people laugh and my theory of comedy is that we learn to play if you like it's not probably a very good simile but a piano and there is only so many chords and uh, and sequences that you, you learn and then what you do once you've learned the instrument let's say like I said piano it's what you do with it and with comedy, it's very much the same. I, I think it's like digital, really. It's like it, 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 the comedy timing is like binary. And it has to be the one and zero. It has to be solid. It, will, it doesn't move. To get a good laugh will always be the, the same drop. As, same as a ballad. When, a, when someone will sing a song, they'll get to the final note, they'll stop, and then they drop the note. And that's pretty much what I've just done there, comedy timing. Sure. And you can go around two or three times and wait for that. So what I decided to do was take a kind of a science, I was looking at the science of it, thinking, how can I take those um, things that I've learned, or, or the solids, the, 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 the digital of comedy, and then, and then try and reinvent it some way? I can't reinvent the wheel, of course, uh, to quote a cliche, but I thought I could uh, sure. tackle it from another way. Sure. So all the talking and all this stuff and all the pulling out the T-shirt, it's still the same as any normal straight stand-up would be doing. There's still the same, whether it's Tim Vine doing one-liners or it's uh, Doug Stand-Up doing what he does, you know, mm. and his brilliant sort of observation of the world. There's no actual difference to what Steve Martin or uh, I'm doing. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's still the same rules. The rules are exactly the same. It's just sure. how we're tackling it. <laughs> well, okay. that reminds me of something. I, I saw Harry Hill do an hour of new stuff here at the beginning of the festival. Mm. And if you've ever seen Harry Hill's stand-up as opposed to his TV work, the way he, you know, he got known for, as well as his incredible imagination, was he would get one-liners, break them in half, and then separate them over you know, over time. So this, the structure would become part of the joke as well. Yeah. But as you say, it's the same notes well, it was playing, really, you know, playing them with if, different if you, if you think about it, it's, it's, not, it's no dissimilar, you know, I'm not saying I feed it or I may be inspired by it and didn't realise, but you saying that, thinking back, it was no different to really me pulling my T-shirt open because he, he from nowhere suddenly would go, turns the milk brown, doesn't it? Turns the milk brown. And that's, yeah, yeah. I think, was a similar idea. So this is Terry... It's very difficult for us to be specific about what he does. That's what I'm aware of listening back to this. Um, it's a little bit like the Dr. Brown interview. You're just going to have to take my word for it. it it's not traditional stand-up in any sense, really. With Terry, it's like an explosion of ideas and fragments of character and dance and sound effects, all sorts of stuff. Go and see him. He's just an electrifying performer. Google up his website. You can see him on Live at the Apollo. He's got a clip on there. But go and see him live. Go and see him live. Find a live date. You'll never forget it. Now... Having said that, that element of it is a bit like the, the Dr. Brown interview. This interview, I think, is like none other, really. Terry's hyperactive here, as I'm sure you can hear. He's incredibly candid. He's very ready to talk about some of the more problematic aspects of his career and of his life as a performer. Um, I am enormously fond of Terry. I think some of the issues he's describing here are common to a lot of stand-ups, a lot of artists, and I'm very, very grateful for him, uh, to him for being so open. Uh, very open, as you'll hear. I barely get a word in. And I really hope he overcomes his feelings of being an outsider because I, I find him utterly inspiring and I, I think he really deserves the, the, the happiness that, uh, that he's looking for. So now to the ads. Uh, two very quick things. First, Nish Kumar at Soho. Uh, you'll remember this is the guy who did the excellent Josh Widdicombe impression in the live episode a few shows ago. Uh, he's a brilliantly funny, very, very charming comedian. He's a super goldsmith. He's a big fan of the podcast. The podcast is a big fan of him. He's on at the Soho Theatre on the 24th to the 26th of January. So that's in a couple of weekends' time. He really it, It's the show that should have been nominated, I think should have been nominated for Best Newcomer last year. Uh, but the fact that he wasn't will probably make him a better person. He's that sort of bloke. 24th to the 26th of January at the Soho Theatre. And if you buy your tickets for that in person, 
Britain. Uh, you can use the code Bollywood Lovejoy and you'll have to pay double. And remember, you can be a super goldsmith as well. All you need to do is tweet about the show at ComComPod or join the Facebook group. Recommend it to Facebook friends of yours that you think would enjoy it. They don't even need to be real friends. You don't even need to have met them. Write it on bits of paper, hand them to strangers, key it into people's cars, get tattoos of the logo on your face, whatever you like. Uh, if you want to be a super goldsmith, please tell the world. That Pappy's episode was a blinder, so that's a really good entry episode, I think, uh, to uh, to recommend to people. Anyone you think's a fan of Pappy's, a fan of comedy, or a fan of whatever the stuff is that we get into on this life, art, things, whatever they are, just tell everybody about it. That's how you become a super goldsmith, which I'm resurrecting. It was initially a stupidly improvised thing, and uh, and then I was a bit embarrassed of it, but now I've it's kind of grown on me. Finally, of course, the James Acaster Comedians Comedian Special is on Wednesday the 6th of February. There's still a few tickets left for that. It'd be lovely to sell it out. That's going to be a brilliant gig. I cannot wait to do that interview. James has really got his head screwed on comedy-wise. Uh, I think that's that's going to be fascinating, and, and the gig will be great as well. He's on tour around the time of doing it um, he would probably say he's doing it whilst being on tour but from my perspective he's on tour around our gig and uh, I, I think there, I, you should look up tickets for him as well go and see him on tour but do come and see that uh, that show I think that'd be brilliant um, we've had some great funny for no monies from last week but I'm going to give you a bit more time on them because I'm doing some lovely gigs in Dubai at the moment and I'm recording this in advance so uh, we'll come back to those next time thanks for listening now I shall return you to Mr Terry Alderton Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So, so let's talk about the, the origin then and where, because we'll talk more about uh, where you've ended up, but let's talk about where you started. You say you were a very mainstream act to begin with. Yeah, well, yeah. How did you, yeah. how did you start? How did you go from being well, I just wanted a be, human uh, to extend? <clears throat> well, I just wanted to uh, do something different. You know, I saw my dad working hard as we all, we all see our parents working hard and, uh, you know, I, I kind of had played football and I thought I wanted to do that and then I wasn't good enough, basically. It was rubbish. Um, I like to say I had a bad injury, but I didn't. I was just not very good. <laughs> you say you weren't very good. I mean, you were a professional football player. I was good to a standard, but even <laughs> even in that, in that, you know, now, you know, if I'd stayed in football, I'd be, obviously, maybe I'd just still be playing because I'm so, same age as Brad Friedel. But um, he's a bit bigger than me. But... Uh, I, I would have always been a very lower league rubbish uh, goalkeeper, whereas okay. I think possibly I'm a kind of not sort of I'm, I'm just sort of playing for Wigan and nobody really knows who I am in the Premiership. So as a comic, so I'd rather that than being being a, a, I'd rather be in the Premier League playing somewhere sure. in in my profession than than um, just being this uh, basically I'll be painting and decorating now not that there's anything wrong with that but I shouldn't have said that I didn't mean it like that <laughs> it's just what happens is when you it's, there's a cliche in football when you stop playing professional football a lower standard it, the joke is you're going to be painting soon you know so that, 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 that. I turned into Walter White there didn't I <laughs> no I'm cooking crystal meth now come on um, you can't get into that no one knows who's where yet oh the dodginess of it anyway I didn't realise I could do a Walter White but um, um yeah, so I saw my dad work hard, as we all do, and uh, I just thought, I, you know, I, I don't want to answer to anybody, really. Uh, I know that some people might think that's a bit wrong to say what I'm saying, but I'll be candid with you. I didn't, I didn't want that. I just wanted to be my own creation. I wanted to be what I wanted to be. I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do or have to be somewhere, because I was doing jobs, and I was just thinking, I, I don't personally want this for me. I, mm. didn't, I didn't want that. And uh, I happened to Im- do impressions, and I saw an ad in the paper while sitting in a basement smoking a cigarette and having a coffee with my friend, who was only 18. And I said, oh, there's a thing here. If you think you're funny, come and do an open spot. So I went down to uh, the Joker Club in South End, and Lee Evans was comparing. Yes! <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, the Rubber Bishops was on, and Patrick Malba was on, and, yeah. you know... Um, 
Some, this, 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 you know, great comics of, of the time were all playing. You know, of course, Bill Bailey was in the Rubber Bishops and whatever. And uh, I, I did this five minutes, and the guy running the gig said, "You, you know, you're not quite ready yet, but." Um, you know, this is this new TV station starting called called Sky, and mm. uh, they're doing this thing called Sky Star. So this show's so old, I am now, right? <laughs> so he said, uh, you know, they're doing these auditions for this thing with Keith Chegwin, and I said, all right, I'll go and do it. And um, <laughs> Cheggers, I, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I saw him not long ago, and, and we were talking about it. Funny enough, because I, I I went, I did the heat anyway. I did the audition, I did the heat, and then my dad came up to town with me, and we did it. It was lovely doing this with, with my dad. It was beautiful, right? So he'd come to every one with me. You know, we'd go up there. So I did the heat, the semi. Uh, beating Chesney Hawks in the semi-finals, and uh, <laughs> he wasn't the one and only. And, and then I uh, and then I won the final, right? So I, I'm 18, I'm one, and I'm rubbish on this. I should put this on YouTube. Really, it's, it's terrible. I'm just doing impressions of people that don't sound like them. But <laughs> I, I I won this thing, and that was kind of the start of of me going. You know, actually, possibly there is something in this. And I worked on a holiday camp for like a year. So. So when you were doing, when you became uh, that first incarnation of you doing stand-up, like you doing main, more mainstream stuff, as you described earlier, mm. were you writing jokes then for that? Or were you just walking on stage and making it up? No, it was just nicking stuff. You know, I, d I didn't know what it was about. I just, I think in the instigate, the first instance when I was doing the impressions for Sky Star Search, I had written, I, it, that was a kind of, I sat with a piece of paper and did something funny with with my, my impressions and what have you. So in the first instance, it was how it should have been. I think that when I started working on this holiday centre in Great Yarmouth called Potter's, it's a, it's a private place, right? They do the bowls there now, the world okay. bowls, right? That's when I met a load of old pros and then they, they were trying to sort of tell me that I had to, you know, was giving me gags and jokes, just okay. old jokes. You old know? pros and, in the kind yeah. of holiday so, circuit. Rather exactly. Than so then you'd be watching comics come in and going, well, it's all right just to, ni to nick their gags, right? So. Sure. At that point, I was just after the laugh, you know, and I was every single night going on that stage and dying, right? And now I just won Sky Star Search. I thought I was, I thought I was a lick, yeah. Like I thought I was cool, yeah, you know that. And then I was just dying, just, just dying. But it was, it was a great process. Of course, when I look back on it, it was the best thing that could have happened. Just kept dying and dying and dying. And then I left that, and I got a, I got a pantomime with a friend of mine who I've unfortunately not friends with anymore. But um. You know, he was he was the start really of saying, you know, you've got something here, and then you have to go to the alternative comedy circuit, which I of course already started at, and then I went back. But of course, I went back with a whole it, the, my my ethos was, of course, you know, you nick gags, don't you, and you do these old crappy things, and of course, people were going, you know, who is this guy? What is he doing on our circuit? My God, he's mainstream. So. From the get-go, I was completely alienated. I was, you know, okay. everybody hated me from the start. It was like, who is this guy? You know, and I learned quick that, you when, know. So who were your contemporaries then when you came back? Well, you it would have been, it would have been, gags? it would have been, <laughs> <laughs> well, at that time there was, uh, there was people like Paul Marone and what have you, who, who was a crap joke demon, you know. Um, these, these guys don't even exist now. And, uh, and there were people, the Brighton Bottle Orchestra and all that. They don't really, they're okay. not even around anymore. But then there was the likes of, um, you know, the Owen O'Neills, who did befriend me, you know, mm -hmm. and the Steve Frosts. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, of course, um, oh, bloody, I haven't seen him for ages. Little um, Spazbacker. What's his name? <laughs> oh, God. Anyone? <laughs> on yeah, the he's in the young ones, but I can't, I can't, he plays Spazbecker's doll in the young ones, and I can't flipping remember. Uh, uh, Lee Corns. Lee, Lee Corns. Okay, yeah. Who was re re very alternative, which was quite strange. And of course, if anyone knows Steve Frost, you know, really out there kind of comics at the time, but then had befriended me, you know, and then were just sort of whispering in my ear, it doesn't quite work like that here, but we're very okay. nice. And, and Owen O'Neill and whatever, you know, we're very nice. And then there were others who, uh, who I'm now friends with, like this uh, uh, um, a circuit comic called Sean Mio. You know, we're friends mm. now, but I remember my. My first, first dealings with Sean Mio, when they were all talking at this jungler's dressing room, it was a bit like this, actually. And, uh, and <laughs> I just said something, and he, Sean just turned around and went, you're not ready for this conversation yet. <laughs> and I went, all right, so I just sat there. So, oh my but God. what is interesting is the so-called, I say so-called because it's not anymore, it's just comedy now, isn't it? But... With the, with the old mainstreamers, you know, uh, they're more crazy and, and whacked out, even though their stuff is is just like, what? Um, but their actual offstage thing is very loving and very nice, but also crazy. Okay. Whereas I found with the alternative comics, they were very straight people, you mm. know, who mm. weren't very nice. And <clears throat> were very much against the isms, rightly so, you know, the racisms and sexisms and all that, you know what isms are, of course. 
but I found that actually that there were very it was a very anti working class thing going on there, and I still think, and I'm going to stick my neck out here, right? I still think there is a little bit of that. I still think there is a bit of that, you know, and um, an anti working class. I think sentiment. there is slightly. I, I'll be honest with you. I've never said that, and you, you know, and I'm not one for class things, but. Um, you know, because we live and we grow and we become what we are. And I don't, working class, upper class doesn't really matter, right? In how much money you got. It's just what you want to be and who you want to be at that point. And that's where I am as a person. But mm-hmm. I do sometimes feel that, that, you know, that may have held me back a little bit. And then people say, well, there's arguments there, of course, you know. Of, sure. You know, I mean, do, do you mean, do you mean an, be, an anti-working class sentiment amongst other comics or amongst promoters or TV I people? Think, uh, 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 there were comics at one point, not now, but at one point, definitely. But... It just still, I still think there's there's a kind of an elite, elitist thing, and I still think there is a bit of that. I, I really do, you know. Okay. And I think that is another reason that I I really thought, um, <clears throat> you know, because there was a point where I was at the depth of my, you know, I got depressed because that's what comics do. But I did, and in 2004, I wasn't doing comedy anymore. And then I saw a review on Chortle uh, that Steve Bennett had written, and um, I, I I mean I was I was in tears. It was it was the most. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I was not in a good place. I was trying to be amongst something and do something and was storming gigs <clears throat> excuse me weren't you but then I read this review and I just remember I remember the windows being steamed in the house because my wife was, was uh, steaming some vegetables in this cold night and I knew I had to get my windows done and I also knew I'd had this climb to uh, I'd been on like the lottery show and hosted this uh, like with Lulu and you know I'd had this kind of 1999 2000 I'd, I'd been a, a Perrier nominated it all happened you know I was getting all this TV all these scripts were coming in and then nothing and then I'm trying to I've got to a point that slippery slope of trying to rescue that TV thing and and and, and mm. bereaving in a way had this bereavement it was ridiculous and then I was in London's burning and I'm I'm doing these lines and I'm looking at people thinking what am I doing here mm. this is ridiculous I'm in London's burning and <laughs> so in 2004 I read this review about myself because I did, I kind of my wife said you gotta go back doing comedy and I didn't want to and I think I just popped and did a gig because uh, uh, I'd stopped for about three years. And it's this this review of, uh, that Bennett had written saying that, you know, uh, Chortle was proud to be a, 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 a critic of mine. Yes, you know? I remember reading that. And it was, it was so scathing and uh, upsetting. But the flip side was, it was one of those, this is to where I am now, that I, I just looked at that. And it was kind of, if you like, I picked myself up and, and thought, right, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to show you now that... Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you. You want you want alternative comedy. Here it's going to come and hit you in the eyes. Now I'm going to I'm going to give you alternative comedy. So I've since said to Bennett, you know, there's a point of me wanting to punch his face in, but mm-hmm. there was also a point that you know I may have to thank him because you know he started the ball rolling for my whole reinvention. Uh, love it or hate it, you know, I'm I'm pleased where I am now. So I so I want to kiss him and punch him. Okay, you know. So you look physically capable of doing both of those. Well. <laughs> I look physically. It was some, I'm, you know, I'm, someone's trying to start t- a fight with me last night. A cab rank. It was, but it was what? a brilliant. Mo- yes, a, some twenty-two-year-old. He was pretty buff. This kid it was like that. He's going like this to me, and I'm just thinking, what are you doing? But it was really weird because he was kind of a, kind of a. He seemed like he was quite educated, and, and uh, you know, and maybe a student here. And his girlfriend was very much like Tom. Tom, come on, Tom. Right. <laughs> and uh, but I got his name, and I know that's a key thing, isn't it, in a situation yeah. like that? And, and he's he's doing this to me. I went, Tom, what are you doing, Tom? And it, you could see. Him literally go it just <laughs> just saying his name and then making it you know like a personal thing yeah it, it, it's funny but anyway sorry I've gone to um, of course later on I smacked him with a, with a, with a wrench in my <laughs> in the imaginary fight as I went to sleep I thought being beat by a 22 year old I can't have it uh, so uh, sorry I don't know I've completely hijacked the thing now and I was some it's, you haven't hijacked it it's all, it's violence <laughs> I'm slightly confused as to exactly where in the process when you were doing the the lottery show yeah. and you were doing clubs at the time and yeah. doing really well at clubs what was your material like then what was that was your own stuff that wasn't you weren't nicking <laughs> no stuff it was that. my own stuff but it was like you know it's like when you're on a plane or do you know what it's uh, you know it's all that kind of thing okay. which of course at that point nobody wanted anymore yeah so you know there was sure. all that going on me going I'm going to reinvent step, of course it? now we're looking at I'm off me, off me head doing me comedy madness right and then they all want Michael McIntyre going I was doing that I was doing yeah, that yeah. shit 
ages ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and fair play to these people now, you know, but um, it, it's funny. But it also is a learning curve as well that you, you have to believe in what you want to do, you know. So there is a bit of you that wants to play a, a bigger crowd, you know. Of course you do. You want the playground to be bigger and 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 and, and more in people enjoy and embrace what you're doing. But uh, it seems to be at this point in time in, in the world that I'm living in, I don't know about with you people as well, but, um, you know, people want... It's, it seems to be quite lowest common denominator at the moment. I don't know if that's a... We can blame the X-Factors of the world, it might be, but sure. it, it, people just want it. And I'm not dissing anyone here, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the bigger comics... It's, it's certainly... I certainly feel like you're describing a feeling of being out of step with what's with the zeitgeist maybe, maybe. yeah and, yeah and i wonder or wanting to be opting out myself in fact yeah, yeah. I, I just wonder if there's an element of that maybe that is to do with like you having an impulse an, an initial impulse to give people what they want not to give not just audiences but to kind of give the industry this idea of the industry if you're the kid in the dressing room mm. and someone's saying you're not doing the right stuff here you're not welcome that then you want to you want to do what will make you welcome because that's something i really feel and I wonder yeah. whether in my you know I used to be a street performer and everyone was clambering out in the audience and doing all the rest of it and now I feel there's this thing where I've tried really hard over the last five years to let go of all the crazy out there elements and actually write really good crafted stuff and now of course in the last two years there's suddenly this vogue for clambering into the audience picking up the audience and everyone's going oh my god it's so amazing and I feel like I'm in a similar sort yeah. of step well you know going, Steve Martin was doing that in the 78 wasn't he well exactly but, um, exactly I, I hear what you're saying, and you know, for me, you know, the, the only disappointment is I, I wish, oh, if I'm complete, because I have an ego and I'm a comic, you know, I, I wish more people got what I did, you know, and there is a point to me that I just think, is it Emperor's Clothes or, you know, some people really have bought it and get it. And it's also funny for me and the people in the audience who do get it. So it could be arrogant, this, don't get me wrong, but it, it's borderline. Um, but it is very funny, and I do mention it in my shows to watch people who don't know what I do I just, just sitting there going, I saw that in your show last Friday when but, you but said it's so funny. You were talking about there are people who know who I am and have bought tickets, yeah. and there are people who were convinced to buy tickets. Yeah, it's a season three thing. Yeah, but yeah, but, yeah. It, but it's not <laughs> yeah. it's not in any way you know leaving anybody out. It's just that you know sometimes you know some of the comments I get on on Twitter. I've come off it for a while. I'm, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not bothered about what people think. It, it's fine. It's just that I, I got completely engrossed in it. I, I had to get it off my phone. Sure. Because I just thought I'm constantly on this crap all the time, Facebook and all that. So I've taken it off. Um, but you know comments I've had. You know, it, it find that people when they don't get comedy or they, they they get very angry they can get really sure. angry you know people have wished uh, my mother to have cancer because i'm unfunny apparently you know and tweeted me that you know you're so unfunny hope your mum gets cancer you go mate it's only it's only comedy i'm not trying to do anything sure so it's 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 it, there's a bit of me that kind of wants to battle with that as well you know and, yeah. and open that sore yeah. up you know but then but then i think from the point of view of the shows to ha- to be dividing a room to me, seems like a, almost a badge of honour. I mean, you, you, obviously yeah, you want to make you don't everyone want, over Exactly. This is the whole, this is the catch-22. You, if you're a clown, you want everyone to love you. You know, I don't want to come out in this room and have half of you not like me and others love me. I don't want that. I want everyone to love it. And, and, and it's all have an experience. It's me as well, come off beyond that kind of going, yes, what, we did it, kind of thing, you know. Don't think for a minute I want to split the room. But it, it is also very funny to me, though, if there are people mm. sitting there just going... You know, that mm. point of them going, what is going on here? Of course, there's nothing going on. Is when people go, I don't get it, you know, because there's nothing to get. That's the whole joke. There's, there's, sure. it, it's the nonsense. Look, you know, if you looked at the, uh, the likes of um, Kaufman, you know, people would say about Andy Kaufman, you know, they'd go, uh, you know, he's not funny. Now, I can see he's not funny, but that's his, th- that's his stick. Sure. His whole thing. The, it's, and, and I don't know if that's right. You know, I don't know if that was right, but I, as a comic, uh, you know, admire that someone would would do that. You know, the fact that to stand on a stage in front of people and and, and knowingly know that you're going to make them think this isn't funny, and then getting angry and crying about, it and then just coming back on for no reason and start playing bongos. Yeah. you know, is to me, it's still the same tricks. You know, sure. It, 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 for, there was a point in my life, you know, I, I was just growing to this point that I'm at now and, uh, and, and believing, you know, and, and I said to my wife, I've got to go to Australia and New Zealand. I did two months away from my, my son, you know, because I knew I had to do this reinvention, mm. you know, and I was thinking about all these guys mm. in my head, not trying to emulate them, but just knowing about them. And uh, he paid a lot of toll on my marriage, actually, which we've now hopefully got back together. But until I've got a real bit of finance and then she's out. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I am... Um, 
it really did. It really did. You know, it was a gamble all round. But uh, at the end of that run in 2010, I thought, right, you know, I'm really getting this now because it was mm. my show in Australia. I had an audience that wasn't right, you know, and mm. uh, you know, I was trying to lead them, and then I found myself just in the end giving in and doing material like, oh, so you've got two buttons on your toilets, one's for a wee, one's for a poo, and I'm on stage doing this, thinking, what are you doing, man? This, this is falling backwards now. This is rubbish, sure. guff. You know, but, but knowing they wouldn't laugh at it unless I went to that place, you know. Yeah. And uh, a few comic friends had come in and said, you know, you've got to lead the audience like you what you started to do. And I thought, so doing late night shows were great. So I was going out and doing late night shows and just absolutely losing my shit out there, yeah. you know. Um, and then realising, thinking, I'm getting this now, this is all happening. But there was always a bit in me that would hold back, worry about the critic, worry about what someone was saying on Facebook mm -hmm. about me, worrying about that tweet, you know, still not having that power. And then um, in the end of 2010, I was driving to Wisbeach and I downloaded Steve Martin's autobiography, Born Standing Up, and that was the single key figure in my career where I went, this is where it's all going to change. Okay. That and was a single point. That is I one point I, I can actually pinpoint where it just went... Game on. Yeah. And I listened to that all the way to Wisbeach and back. And it, it, I urge you if, you, if you like comedy and you want to do comedy, uh, uh, I don't read very well, but he reads the book. Uh, you can get it on, you know, uh, places to download, starting with an I. Yeah. Um, if you are going to get into comedy, I urge you to listen to, or I would say listen to it, but if you like to read, that's fine. Um, but it is, to me, the, for me personally, there were four secrets in it. I'm not going to tell you them. There are definitely three secrets of comedy. The reason I won't tell you is because you need to find them to realise. You, you need to have the realisation, the epiphany okay. to go, oh, because that's what happened. I sure. just went, oh my, this is it. And now, you know, I'm all powerful. So I, <laughs> I, I don't care now. You know, I, I'm, and, 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 and I'd say there was another, there was a slight, I lied to a little bit. There was another, one other thing that, was, that, that joined that. There was, a moment, there was a marriage there where... I'd seen uh, the film Batter at Cantona where the postman's searching. Is it searching yeah. for Eric? Looking for uh, Eric? Looking for Eric, I think. Yeah. Basically, the premise of the film, this postman, he's uh, getting a bit down. His life's a bit shit. He starts smoking weed. He starts seeing Eric Cantona. He keeps talking to Eric Cantona. Right. Um, <laughs> good film. Uh, <laughs> but there's a bit in that. He says, uh, he said, what was your, your favourite goal you scored, Eric? And he goes, it was not a goal. It was a pass, right? And then he talks about this thing and they show this pass. I think it was to Dennis Irwin. I could be wrong. There's probably someone out there going, it wasn't Dennis Irwin. That'd probably be my agent, in fact. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was this past and what have you. But the, he said something, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to relay it very well, but basically what he, the essence of what he was saying was, Eric Cantona, his whole thing was that he was prepared to fall a hundred times and have everyone go, you're rubbish, you're rubbish, you're rubbish. Yeah. For that one moment, right, that one moment. And you will never, ever get that moment unless you're prepared to fall so many this times. This is exactly what... It's the depth of the fall that you can take to find that moment where you have to rescue it, i.e. turning, talking, and then putting yourself in that position. And then that, that one moment that you find where hopefully the audience realise you're going, oh, where did that come from? Yeah. Together, we all go... Wow, there was a moment there, right? And, and, and that's why I'm prepared to take it to the depths of where I want to go. And, you know, then listening to Steve Martin and those little moments of me in that book where I just went, wow, this is game on, isn't it? I mean, it really is game on. What I, something I really wanted us to talk about, and we're absolutely hitting it here, is I think you are one of the bravest comedians that I know because you are prepared to genuinely fail. And I remember yeah. seeing you at the boat show maybe three, you can probably date it by the material, maybe two years ago, and it was when you ended the show by going, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of comedians like to end on their best material, but I like to do nothing for a minute and then bark like oh, a dog. Oh, dog, yeah, yeah. I like, no, I like to stay silent. 30 seconds like of silence and then, and then bark, bark like, like a dog, dog for a minute, minute. yeah. And, and yeah. it was indescribable. Yeah. You, and you said it was, the, I think it was the second time you did it, or I don't think it was the first ever. I yeah, think you, and you tried it one time. Well, it would before. have been after that Steve Martin thing. That would have been the moments that I started to realise. It know. was unbelievable. You stood there in silence Ooh. for 30 seconds while everyone just looked at you going, what, what's he doing? Yeah, I timed it as well perfectly as yeah. well on this watch. It was and on then this watch. Yeah. You started barking like a dog. For a perfect, a perfect minute, yeah. For a, <laughs> it was a perfect minute of comedy because halfway through that minute, people in the audience started barking like yeah, dogs yeah, yeah. and it just was the a sort of yeah. unwritable uncreatable only you could only create that in that moment by just jumping out of the plane yeah. and going you could have done that to silence and then turn around and walked off yeah. it could have been awful yeah it, but it, it didn't matter 
Because well, my point it. is, the people would have walked away from that moment. You know, I did, uh, when did I do a show? I did something not long ago. Um, I can't remember. It, was, it wasn't death, but I know that people go, what? But I know that that point, oh, I know what it was. It was Greenwich Comedy Festival. This guy heckled me, right? And I just at that point was on my back because my feet talk, right? And <laughs> of course they do. And <laughs> this guy started just as I was on my back, just saying, you know, basically this is complete shit. And that's fine. What I enjoyed was, you know, one of the feet started going at this guy, going, what's your problem, right? And the other shoe, you know, but I kept it in, in what it was. So I had the other foot going, yeah, come on, calm down, calm down, you know. <laughs> so I'm putting this guy down, but staying within the play, if you like. And then, and then the other foot got even more angry and was really going for him. And the other one's going, boy, I thought you just told me to calm down. He's going, no, fuck it. You know, he's going mental at him. He's going, you, go, you could go, you know, you've got a fiver and then the shoe's going, of course I've got a fiver, I've got no arms, no hands, I'm a shoe, aren't I, you know. So I started playing with the fact that, you know, I'm putting this guy down, but at the same time, I'm belittling him by actually taking no notice of him, but using sure. that, you know, which, which is, is a certain arrogance. But, you know, the guy was so over the top. But the point I'm trying to make is, whether it was the biggest death ever, you know, I'm thinking that there will be at least 10 people in that 300 that will go, you've got to come and see this guy. Yeah. Now, I was in Montreal this, this year, and uh, we, I went out to do, do a taping, you know, film a, film a taping, sound like an American, but I went out to <laughs> t- film a show there, because I, I get TV shows in other countries, but not this one. Um, uh, they won't have me on the Apollo again this year, but it doesn't matter. Um, um, and, we uh, can, let's, let, that that's seems joke, that's let's talk about um, that. But just quickly, um, I did a warm-up gig in a tent in front of 30 people, and uh, it was one of those where sometimes in comedy I you'll know Stuart. I just realised you said warm-up gig. I thought you said walnut. Sorry. No, warm-up gig. I did a walnut gig. But you gig. know Stuart. When... What, what a walnut gig is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> when you do, sometimes when you do gigs, uh, and they're not going, they just, you know from the, the off, it's not working, and then it, how many more things can go wrong? Yeah. And that, that's a weird thing, whereas I don't care, but when it becomes out of control for certain reasons, that's when actually there is a side of me goes. So I'd, I'd, I'd inadvertently cut my head, didn't know, so I was bleeding, right? I didn't know this till after. So the audience must have been thinking, this guy's crazy, right? And then I'm, you know, I'm trying to warm some stuff up in this tent and I'm on my back. And then, of course, making my shoes talk. But then money started dropping out my pocket, you know. And you know when you're thinking, and it was a real sort of lame one as well. No one's laughing. You just get this coins and then another one would fall out. And I'm thinking, so it was just one of those. So in the end, I just got up, looked at them. It's like someone coughing in an empty... It's just rubbish, man. And I just went out. I pulled the curtain back and then I thought I thought for a minute, I can't get can't get round there. And then I just walked out the back and then there was this silence. And then the compare come and go, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. <laughs> I had. I just picked my bag up and, and I could just hear him. He stepped. Anyway, Terry Arlerton, ladies and gentlemen, there's this kind of what? <laughs> but you know, you know that that after that gig, the guy who um, books the um, uh, the Sydney Comedy Festival come up to me and he went, uh, I, "I think you're great. Do you want to come and do Sydney?" <laughs> so I went oh, it's just died on me ass literally on me back and you see so you, you, you'd never have to worry that's my point you know you just do your thing and uh, if, if it's not working you could just walk off and pick your bag up and uh, go oh god I was bleeding as well you know so, so do the, you? That's the fact of it. Pre, pre I mean, don't get me wrong. I want people to roar. Don't get me wrong. I don't. Sure. No, no, but this I don't is... want to die. I mean, I'd be alive. I said I did, but I'm prepared. The fact to is, you're prepared to. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. The, in like, and it's not of... an arrogance. Please don't think I'm being arrogant anyway. I think I'm a not. lot of comedians, a lot that... of comedians, famous comedians, non-famous comedians, are satisfied with a seventy-five percent volume laugh. They want to make the whole room laugh there. But I think you're in order to get the whole room laughing and crying laughing and creasing up, you have, I think, correctly identified that you genuinely got to risk yourself. You just can't go on and say some things that you thought. You you have that incredible live quality in the moment of, as you say, they know that you don't know what happens next. They know that you don't know what's going to happen But they also know I am going to rescue it. But Exactly, yeah. They believe in you. Because I will have it. Like I said about the rainbow inside your mind, I, I will have something to rescue. But then again... You know, if you see me in a late show, like, I will never go and do late shows and try and do anything, but apart from just see how far I can really, really bend it. Because there is no point at three in the morning trying to go, oh, here's some jokes. And uh, you can see me, I'm on at half past ten in the white <laughs> You know, you get people doing I'll just go out there and just see how far we can go, man. You know, the other night I did Late in Live and I, I started a play where it, it, the ending, it was with this young kid fighting this old bloke. You know, it was... And me coming on with no shot and like a monster. I mean, it was just, well, Gordon Southern was on the drums playing drums. But it, <laughs> but it, 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 it was just, it was just me going. Where can this go? You know. Yeah. 
You know, so, I've took it even further before, but I don't want to get into that because you'll see me in the wrong light and I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to talk to you about how you are pre-gig. You tend to be... Well, I've seen you in a couple of different states pre-gig. When we did Warwick Arts Centre, you seemed quite calm. Yeah. Previously uh, to that, when I've seen you at gigs, a boat show, wherever, um, you've you've been you've been very hopped up. Getting you know, you change your shoes and you start. Yeah, but around. there was is a, that nerves? Is that energy? Well, what's, there was what's the that old experience. I don't know. There was it, years back. You know, I used to think I was going to have a heart attack before I went on. You know, I was I'd be standing there going, "Carl, you know," because I, I, you know, I had this whole thing that it had to be. I had to get encores and I had to have standing ovations and I it had to be and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a thing that I wanted that you know it was a thing if I didn't get that then it was a failure you know how I used mm. to be and I know a lot of people used to say in my ear you've got to calm down a bit because people think you're a bit of a wanker because you know I'd come off to to massive applause and go and be in the dressing room going that was shit but yeah. go, what uh, you know and I think it's because my the perfection of what it had to be it had to be. A, you know this perfection and it's quite uh, ironic now that you know now it's gone completely the other way that of course it's not about that for me anymore it's about what what i can come away with what interest i can come away from it because my, mm. my rule is it's got to be funny and if it's not funny i'll try and make it interesting you know until mm. i can get that laugh you know because mm. essentially what we're there for is to make people laugh but equally i think it's quite nice for an audience to walk away and go y y you know <laughs> what was that about and then let's discuss you know mm -hmm. I, I even would love it if people you know were to go home going does he want tea coffee <laughs> you know, that would be nice so you mentioned there this idea of needing to get the standing ovations and that resonates a lot and I'm sure with a lot of comedians and a lot of anyone that suffers from any kind of anxiety or depression or anything yeah. like that that you, you have an outcome that you need rather than an outcome that you strongly desire you know that's kind of therapy speak isn't it you, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to, to sort of feel like your happiness is dependent on you know for some people getting laughs for mm. you getting a standing ovation or at that time yeah. and we talked a little bit earlier on I mean, you mentioned Satilipram in your show when I saw you last Friday. Mm. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about your mental problems, Terry. Let's go. Let, well, it's let's not really that. There's no. There's not really a great depth. Uh, you know, I've been mentioning Satilipram on stage. If anyone doesn't know what that is, it's kind of a. It's a bit of a. It's a bit of a crutch. It's only a little tablet, but it's a bit of a sort of. I was. I was very down. I was. Very, to be honest with you, I was. I was in a place where I was confused. I was. Mm -hmm. You know, I was strong on stage, but uh, I could feel things. If anyone's ever felt down, it it, it, it becomes a, it's a vicious conundrum. You know, you find yourself actually enjoying the depth of your despairs. You find start trying to find things to kick yourself metaphorically in the balls with every day. You know, and um, you know, my wife had, had tried and kept going, and I, there was moments where I was thinking, "I'm all right now, I'm fine." And then I would find myself again, even at this point, you know, artistically, and still thinking. You know, I've got this beautiful little boy at home. Uh, you know, I've got, I, I live in a nice house. I, I, I have an, a comfortable car. My mum and dad are still well and alive and they, you know, they, they love me, I hope. Uh, you know, everything was fine, but there was something more. I just wanted to, you know, it, it, it become a habit of, of knowing that, you know, even though I had some therapy and whatever, I still knew that there was constant, just could not get out of this enjoying this kind of uh, mm. depression and 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 barking at my wife and you know and, and money was becoming an issue you know because I'd lost so much money before and we'd gone very very broke you know mm -hmm. and uh, and now I got myself back to a place where everything was square but you know this as we all do you know but I, I think it might be a man thing as well could be wrong but I think it's a it's that wanting to be providing and uh, and for the future mm. and God you're spending too much here because you girls how much can you spend in boots by the way right my <laughs> wife I don't know how she does it but she spends so much money in boots you'll be like you've spent about 300 quid in boots right but it was about <laughs> i was just getting this whole ocd thing of everything was becoming you know and i was cleaning the house and it was all and i i, I was noticing it there was another side of me that's why i say when i'm on stage you know there's me and the carer but i've realized there's someone else has realized that but that was actually a truth you know it is a truth i i started to look, stand back from myself going you've got to sort this out and it's when you realize you've got to sort it out it's that lowest the lowest ebb isn't it and mm. the lowest you know whatever it is but rock bottom there you go and i just said right my and d said to me she said you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go to the doctors and see you know mm -hmm. a lovely doctor doctor here to here is lovely and uh he wasn't there so i saw a locum who was very sweet and she said to have some counseling and i did this and i came back and i saw a doctor to here and he just said look 
you know, I'm a bit worried about giving you anything because, you know, your angst is what makes your comedy. And I said, well, if you don't give me something, there will be no more comedy, you know. So mm. I'd kind of, I would never have topped myself. I would not do that. But there was a point where I knew I, I was just going to destroy it all. It was all going to go. And I could sit my, we had a terrible time as I sold you, me and my wife. And <clears throat> I kind of had broken it, really. You know, it was broken, completely broken. And, uh, and the worst thing, the, the, the moment that really got me is when I realized that, you know, I, uh, I could jeopardize reading my little boy, you know, a book to go to sleep at night. And I thought that I, I could be in, a, you know, I can't be in a place where, you know, just because of this madness that I, I didn't want that. You know, I wanted to be in my house at night with my family. And I thought if I don't, so that was... That was that- the point. So I went and, and he gave me these tablets. I only take a small amount, but it, it was enough. It's, it's, it's a serotonin level, basically, and that's where we started. And, and now mm-hmm. I'm fine. And what the great thing about it is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's given me a, a level field now. So I kind of feel normal now. I feel quite normal. But- something, something that's come up. Thank you for being so candid about it. No, no, but something- it's, not, it's no big deal. I just, well, I, the only reason I say it, I know some people go, oh, trying to jump on the mental ill bandwagon. I'm not. What I'm, I, if I'm completely honest, I want people to hear that who, who feel the same and, sure. and, and think, actually, maybe I should go and see someone. Because, you know, my sister's in mental health and I said to her, look, you know, I feel it could, there's always a stigma about taking drugs, and and to a degree, you know, it's not always the answer. Um, but it, it, you know, she was saying to me, if you had a problem with your liver or your, your liver, liver or your heart, you know, you take a tablet. You know, and you've just got a inca- chemical imbalance in your brain, and you know, mm. it's fine. Uh, but what he has done, and I hope he has completely done, is it, it's just made me suddenly go, actually, you know, all that's running out in the world is time. You know, that's what, what I, the only concern I should have is the fact that, you know, the clock is ticking for all of us. And I don't want to bring this down here, but <laughs> it's all it is, you know, oil, all this money, we're in recession. Fuck them, excuse my language, but I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as we, it'd probably be a good thing if we all did lose everything, I think, you know, and we could just break it and start again and not have properties. Like my house is worth ridiculous amounts of money, right? It's a normal house. And you're just going, how do we get to this state you know I don't want to get on this but you know we should all be out you know it's like for example just finish this but it's like the Olympics you know it was supposed to be for everybody right there were tickets for 450 quid now don't get me wrong the Olympics lifted us all and it was a wonderful thing but there was that bugbear I was going why aren't all tickets first come first serve at the front or the back 30 quid each brilliant right not the Mm. fact I've got to pay 10 quid to get in the park to go and see the event right Mm. it just gets to a point where you're going what's gone wrong where where has this greed come that even people now are are kind of buy at a dwelling or even rent a dwelling sure it's gone uh, listen I'm no big socialist here but it's it's gone a bit wrong and I'd like to see it go right and I'd like to see my house my house worth nothing and all of us just live and we'll go at last we can all just relax now did you be a nice worry. place to be did you there we are so, some spontaneous Thanks, I'll, get, I'll get off my, my um, I'll get off my <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox now <laughs> but I honestly do believe that I just want to just, just let's just because we won't be like that at each other will we anymore God, I want that for you give it me that's my cab Tom calm down Tom Terry calm yes, down yes I have um, <laughs> so did you worry when you started taking the tablets did you have any concerns yes, that, that it might that, because I think we've, we're course. all familiar with this cliche of comedians it's the angst it's the hurt that makes the funniness and I'm sure well, we've seen we can think I've of famous examples I've just proved it just then this is why since um, since I hit the towers and I, and I, I, I mastic and boarded all my house up right that was a real low point that was a real dressing gown phase that was but I stopped reading Jeez. newspapers and I don't and to, I, re, I did Andre's uh, and um, Bridstock's show the other day and yeah, I shouldn't have it really it's rubbish because I'm I haven't read papers and I don't do papers but it was quite funny looking at the kind of the suns and the mirrors they they are like bad soap operas right I, I swear to you they're still going on this, about the, the those two little girls in the solemn murders and mm-hmm. I just thought this is this is same story still in there. This is constant. I was just going through it, going, my, "These are just, it's like Sharon's still in it." Then you know, it was mm-hmm. you know like EastEnders. But I, I just I was going through these papers, going, "This is all nonsense," and it's bad news ever. Bad news ever. Bad news ever. Pretty girl. Bad news ever. Bad news ever. You know, sport, football. Um, so I steer clear of. I don't watch the any of it anymore because mm-hmm. it just brings you to a place that I don't want to be. You know, so I keep away from all that. And uh, and then of course taking the taking the tablets. There was a it, it, that's a very funny stage when you start taking them that for that first month because you're going oh this is things start leveling out and then you start realizing you're where you've been irrational and sure. that's okay. where the heartbreak comes. Okay. 
because that's the bit where you go, you know, I remember my wife going to me, you know, why are you calling me that? And me at the time going, I don't know. You know, I just wanted to be cuddled. You know, it, it's a, taking someone you love so much to a place that you just want them to go, what is wrong? You know, yeah. that's what it is. And um, <laughs> I shouldn't be telling you, should I? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was... Uh, well, I think... So that you, you realise that the, hard, the hardest thing is the first month because things start changing your body a little bit and then you start realising. But the good thing is once you can realise that and you can then take it, you've got the power back. So now... I sound like someone who's actually still crazy, don't I? But, um, <laughs> Terry... A little bit, but it's okay. Yeah, but that's but, but that's I know your energy. I, yeah, but you know. I know I know I have a slight eccentricity. I know I do. But um, I uh, if you can have slight eccentricities, but um, <laughs> but but the, it, in all truth, honestly, you know, I, it's good that it's happened now because live or shit or bus, basically, I'm now at a place where I can start sure. building it. So I, I think, I mean, I do, I definitely think this is an absolutely valid thing to talk about because I have had times as a comedian, and I'm bearing in mind the listenership of, of the podcast of this show. There are a lot of new acts and a lot of people who want to be comedians, mm. and it can be a very isolating job and you mentioned there it truly it, it is taking yeah. away from your taking you away from your family in the evenings i've often thought it's almost mental illness to want to be a comedian because you're effectively saying to the people you love i would rather be on the m4 driving back from swindon on a wednesday night yeah, on your own than, again on yeah on, on i mean it own. is a true thing so yeah. i think there will be people listening to this and perhaps people here today um, who have experienced that isolation, who have felt that yeah. that sense of loneliness or a loss of control. Not anyone who drives a truck or whatever. Or a, or whatever well, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But specifically regarding to, to, to performers and performers of comedy, that desperation of needing to, to pit yourself every night against a blank slate, a blank, you know, a, a yeah. bunch of people who don't know you, who have no impact. Well, there's a key thing, like I don't pit myself anymore. Okay, I don't pit myself against them when I come out. I come out going, this is what it is, and that's it. And that, do you, that's they, well, a, that's I used to pit myself change. because it is true as a comic. Yeah, there is a is a gladiatorial thing when they go, please welcome funny guy. As a man as well, remember, you know, there are there are three things: you're either good looking, you're either tough, or you're funny, right? So actually, to state that you're one of those, go, hey, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the good looking, tough Terry Alderton, and he's funny. Yeah. This makes all blokes go. I see how fucking tough he is. Then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's um, yeah, you're right. So that that was a big change for you that you stopped. Yeah, I don't pit like myself. I come out and do it. I just you don't do have it. to convince them. No, anymore. no. There's nothing to convince, is there? There's no one to convince. This is it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. And sometimes I get it wrong. And there are the nights where we, I will be going, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I went too far with that. It was too much about the old people on the bus eating cake. You know. <laughs> You know, you know. Oh, I shouldn't have done shuffling bread. You know, I shouldn't. You know, there are moments where where I technically know that I may have slipped. Yes, but that's a very different feeling. Yeah, that's to... different. That's a professional side of me going. Oh, you know, it's like anyone painting, is it? Going. Oh, I'm gonna have to redo that because I can't redo it. I've already done it. I've thrown yeah. it out there. I try. I I thought about it recently, like um, like to try and think of yourself as a chef and go. Okay, well tonight the souffle didn't rise. That's not the yeah. fault of the ingredients or me or the oven or the kitchen or whatever. It's just sometimes it doesn't go off. No. And, and that's actually quite a relief to go, that's okay, I still believe in the thing. Because it can be, the, we've all had those long dark nights of the soul, long dark drives of the soul, you know. Yeah, we go, why am I doing this anymore? I can't why do it, I've got to change it. And well, Tuesday night that, and I came off a of stage Tuesday night and I was just going, right, this is this all wrong. You know, this is all wrong. <laughs> you know, because the thing is, once I light the paper and it's off, you know, it's off. I can't break it, you know. Yeah. The old me could have gone and found another way to make the audience laugh. But the thing is, I have to, because otherwise... It, it, I lose the integrity. It, it, Do it's you broken. Think you I have... can't break the integrity of it. Once it's loaded and it sh I fire it, it has to go. Yeah. Do you think that you have uh, a, a health, either on and off stage, I'll ask you both questions. Do you think that off stage while it's going on, sorry, on stage while it's going on, or off stage while you're thinking about it, do you think you have a healthy understanding of the sheer number of times it has worked, you have been hilarious, it has made a difference to people's days and evenings and lives, mm. and do you know what I mean? Do, do you feel like, like I feel like you have earned happiness, and you don't need to earn happiness, you could be happy anyway, but also yeah, you've been really fucking funny night after night after night. Do you, are you able to remember those things when it's going badly? I don't even hear it when I'm on there. So um, I know it's gone well because uh, I have that feeling of that wow, you know, or that feeling of ooh. And, and then if I'm the only way I can describe this, uh, people listening, I'm putting my hand over my face like I look like Bane now. But um, <laughs> the, the, it, I, 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 this is how I am when I'm on. That's all I'm seeing and I'm hearing and I don't really hear the laughter. I feel it. It's warm. It's there. I'm part of you all. And, you know, but it's this kind of I've immersed myself in this place 
and we're on one, right? You know, this 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 act, this thing is happening. It's not until the actual finish that I end that I actually then, when I sum up at the end and thank the crowd, that's when I've kind of popped it and I've come out and I'm now me. Mm-hmm. So if anyone comes to now, you'll know when I'm when I'm saying thank you. That's where I've kind of gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll let you into another secret. If, if ever oh, you do see me, you'll know when I'm finding something a bit eggy. It's because yeah. I've got my eyes closed. <laughs> when I'm doing okay. something, I'm going, oh, no, no, no. no, no <laughs> if you go, he's got his eyes closed. He's obviously not enjoying this bit. Right? <laughs> so then I'll probably go to the back of the room and have a chat with myself. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I said to my friend last night, when he came to see me last night, and I said, you'll know if I'm having a tough one because I'll look at you. I'll give you a signal. What will I do? And he went, no, I'll know if you're having a tough yeah, one. Yeah. Um, yeah, you will. You will. But but ju- ju- I just thought of something I banged on about. So I was just going to quickly revisit something there um, about not reading newspapers or, or all that. And you were saying about depression and comics are depressed. Sure. I think the problem is with comics uh, and all of us, but mainly more people who perform and have to write something, even radio presenters and yeah. stuff, is I think what you do is a comic. You start believing in the conspiracy and you find your own conspiracy, and that that then tumbles it all off if you're already in that place. So you're reading something and then you're going, "Oh God, it's all ending." course it's not you know it's what it is so sorry that just wanted to revisit that just to really do you mean I, cons- i've been watching too much breaking bad i just like <laughs> water white the whole time <laughs> okay so listen we've we've got to wrap up uh, very soon if anyone oh has any God, questions that's gone quicker than my own show that has <laughs> there's a, a moment where if you'd like to think of a question or put your hand up that's fine you could ask through me hello there so given that Steve Martin worked on the same act the same hour for years and years and years, I mean, like decades, um, do you think that, com- that the pressure to come up with a new hour every year if you're on the Edinburgh circuit, um, do you think that's too much pressure for comics? <laughs> I totally agree with that. And I'll, I think um, it's a funny thing in this day and age where you, uh, you take the turd and you polish it and you get it just beautiful and then you go, right, I've got to drop that. Um, it, it, I think the best performances you'll ever see of me is if I can just actually take like three hours, four hours of stuff in my head and just grab it for an hour. I think that's where, for me personally, even if you prepare to go, well, we've seen this, but, you know, I think that's true. I think if you could just, you know, just all the bits that are polished and ready to go and you could just snap at all of them, I think it would be much better. Unless, of course, you're doing some sort of play, uh, you know, written piece or whatever. But um, for, is, for, is there for me personally, I mean, Steve Martin, you're right, I mean... The, the beauty about Steve Martin was was the stuff that you know when you you'd seen it a hundred times, but you know he got it just so tight. And I think once it's tight and you've got the rhythm, is because I'm a firm believer in rhythms. You see, so and it goes country to country. It's always a different kind of rhythm, but it's about walking on the stage and having your your beat from the moment that you come on and you're in your in your thing. And when you're so confident about something that you do, as Steve Martin was about, you know, uh, you know, he, you know, King Tut and all that, and he knows he's going to get to that. So he's full of it. Of course he's, I'm a wild and crazy guy. He's full of it because he knows it's going to get big laughs and he knows it's going to, and you, and that's when you know the audience are going to feed off this, we're all part of this. An audience can sense when you're when when you're when you're doing new stuff that you're not quite sure about because you, you, we can all feel it. There's that that universe thing. If you, if you wanna, if you notice that, no one says in these new TV shows now uh, of Asgard. It's not that everyone talks about the universe now. See, that's growing and that's the new thing. But um, uh, <laughs> it's true. Just watch. <laughs> I asked the universe. The universe said so. Um, so um, yeah, I think uh, I think um, you're right. I think it'd be nice if we could just get a tight hour that we know that is so honed and polished and it would almost It would almost put you in the same position as a band where you could do your greatest hits, you could do some new stuff. Yeah, but and you, you know what? The it's great. a true fact it's that... Th- all comics talk about this, so mm. it's true. A lot of people still... This, this is what we assume. This is dressing room talk now. We, we think that actually people will want to come and they go, they, you know, you might as well keep doing that because people will come up to you asking, why don't you do that bit? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, so some, but then you've got that fine line where I still am letting myself down because I need to get to my feet and I've got, not come up with anything else yet. But, you know, when I was talking to people about it and they're going, you know, you've got to let yourself down. But there's that fine line to still be doing that. Some people are going to hope he lets himself down. Other people go, oh, he's still letting himself down. So you... you I should point out, letting himself down oh, refers sorry, to a yeah. specific bit of material where Wait, you I appear act to out deflate. And I, I literally deflate myself and otherwise, the gag is I've let myself down. Otherwise, semiotically, that's quite a difficult line of argument to follow. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, here we go again. But um, <laughs> I hope you let yourself down, right? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. I, but literally, it's a physical piece of comedy where I just deflate myself, you know, and the gag is, uh, you know, recently I... Tss- 
let myself down. It's a silly joke, but it's a performance piece, which I actually enjoy doing, and it gets me a chance to put my feet up. But, um, you know, I know that some people go, why do you let yourself down tonight? And you go, oh, yeah. I can't keep doing it. And so you go, but if you, like I said, if you do do is, it, then people go, oh, you're still doing that, are you? And you go, is there ah. any way? Is there any way, going, You didn't care about it. I thought you didn't care. So, you know, it's one of is those. Is there any way that you could make a version of your show? You, you could be the, you know, your pioneering thing could be that you don't let go of those bits, like Steve Martin. Well, you actually, yeah, you could say that but my, my, my goal is that eventually I want it to be a piece I don't want it to be stand up anymore I want it to be a complete piece where people uh, my, I, I'm in a sifting phase at the moment I'm sifting out right and I'm not physically saying I don't want people there but I, I need to get to a point where I know that I'm walking on in front of a thousand people in a theatre and every single one of those people knows exactly what, where they're, what they're in for yeah the once we get to that right then, then it's gonna, I'm going to lift this open and we are really going to go it's really going to go but I need to be confident that everybody out is out there is going to help me spin the place, right? Yeah. Until I've got that confidence, then 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 and that's when I'm really gonna. That's when I'm really gonna take it there because I can't quite yet. And it's not like like I said to you, I'm not pitting myself against an audience. I don't care what an audience thinks. You go, you said all that, but there is a degree that I know that if yeah. I can get to that point when I complete that, if you call it zen, whatever you want to call it, I know that when I walk out and everybody's there and we're all going. Is it, are we all ready for this? And everyone's going, yes, we are. Let's get it on. You know, that's the point. I think that's a beautiful place to end it. We have, in fact, run out of time. <laughs> oh, and right, I, okay. I've just been waiting for you to say something profound. And yeah, let's go there. Good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Terry Alderton. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Brilliant. Brilliant. I really, I really hope Terry gets what he wants. And I would love to be in that audience where everyone's on board, where everyone's a receptor to this catalyst of madness that he brings. But also, you know, you go and see him in a club and everyone is. So just track him down wherever you can see him. Uh, finally then, remember, get yourself some tickets for Nish Kumar at the Soho Theatre on the 24th to the 26th of January and tickets for the James Acaster ComCom special on Wednesday the 6th of Feb at a secret location in central London. Uh, they're available online uh, with the link from comedianscomedian.com. I'm going on holiday next week, but if I can possibly get another episode online, I will. If I don't, I just want you to know I'm not going to feel guilty, all right? I'm on holiday. That's what holidays are for. So uh, thank you to Terry. Thanks to uh, BBC Worldwide, Le Petit Horas, and all of my technical and internet helpers. Go and see Nish, and uh, I'll speak to you very soon, in a week or two, maybe three. Bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.